0: on today's episode, we're talking to Rachel Rogers. She is the CEO of Hello7. She previously was a intellectual property lawyer, and she is currently a business coach. Rachel's mission is to help women hit seven figures without sacrificing their families or sanity. She works with entrepreneurs to help create and protect their own intellectual property to scale their business to a million plus over the past seven years, she has worked with the New York Times, best selling authors, tech startups, coaches, consultants, doctors, accountants, nutritionists, and so many more people to level up. And today's episode is no
1: different. So good. I'm a new BFF to Rachel, I think, after this episode. (laughs) I wish. I've deemed it. I've deemed it already. We talk about quite a bit of things. So not only are we talking about a little bit of that growth mentality and seven-figure mindset, we're also talking about diversity, inclusion, and equity, and how making those decisions to have those as a priority in your business are actually a pretty smart strategic decision, not just a good person decision. And Rachel gives some really good, easy takeaways for you guys to implement those facts into your business. As well, even if it's just you, if you're super small and if you don't know where to start. She's even gives you resources on how to find people to begin to expand your circles. You can be surrounded by people who are doing killer amazing stuff all day long. So you can also do killer amazing stuff. This one is definitely one of those where you're going to want to jot down some ideas. And I hope, I hope it inspires you to take at least a tiny action today, if not this week, this month, to do really big epic things in your business. And if you do, if you do take something away from this episode that you're actually going to implement. I would love for you to share it with us over on Instagram. DM us all about it at Boss Project so we can share it and we can let Rachel know what takeaways that she shared that you are going to actually implement in your business. Hey, Rachel, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: I'm excited to have you. We've definitely been hearing you on a bunch of our friends' podcasts lately and just bebopping around the little online world, and I'm so excited (laughs) to finally have you here. We've been definitely creeping on what you've been putting out for a while and are always super amazed to have such kick-ass business people on the show who are doing really, really incredible things. And I know our listeners are also interested in what you're doing and your take on different strategies that can help their business move forward. And I'm so excited for the topic that we're going to cover today because I think that you bring A really, really cool perspective in the sense of, I feel like we're going to kind of touch on both of not only how creating an inclusive business model is a great business strategy and can help growth, let alone a bunch of other things, but also the mindset that that needs to shift in our heads in order to grow as business owners, not just our business and just dollar bills, but the growth of that that comes across the board. So I'm so, so excited to kind of dive into that perspective. So give us a little peek behind, right before we hit record, you said, obviously, not only that it's a smart business move, but it's an actual growth strategy. So kind of give me your take on that in and of itself.
2: Yeah. Well, we were talking a little bit about diversity, equity, and inclusion, which has been a hot topic for years now, but of course became very much to the forefront, I think, in the online business world over the summer after the death of George Floyd. And what I want people to know is that this is not just a strategy to appease people who want to see more diversity in your business. This is not like a visual love Do you have some non-white faces when I see your team pick? Exactly. Like, forget about that. What I want people to see, first of all, I want them to do it because they know that it makes the world a better place. It's the right thing to do. But in addition to that, it is good for your profits. It's good for your revenue. It's good for your strategy. There's actual research that shows that when you have a diverse group of people sitting around a table strategizing to solve problems and get past challenges, that you're going to get a better, more creative Solution if you have diverse people sitting there rather than if everyone went to the same school and grew up with the same type of background and is the same ethnicity, right? Grew up with the same socioeconomic circumstances. When you have everything so homogenous, you're actually disadvantaging yourself with being able to creatively solve problems, which is what we do as entrepreneurs. Like all we do all day is figure out how to solve problems. <laughs> so yeah. having diverse people to have conversation with about the problems in your business and figuring out how to solve them is a huge, huge asset. And so making sure that you're recruiting people of color for your team, people of a variety of different backgrounds and forms of diversity is a huge advantage.
1: Yes. I saw this firsthand even when we we brought on, we call a little baby on our team here. She's 22. 21. She's young. And just having someone so much younger than us be a part of our team, that diversity in and of itself, I was like, oh my gosh, the language you use or the eyeballs that you have on new strategies for... TikToks and reels or all the things that the kids are doing these days, that in and of itself was such an eye opener for me about, oh, yeah, hi, let's stop having the same kind of monotonous conversations that I feel like so many people have been kind of hitting their head against the wall since we even started in the online business world of like, the trends continuing to just be the same of the webinars and then courses and then challenges and then digital things and feeling like you're just hearing the same thing over and over. Maybe it's because Mm -hmm. just the same people are at those conversations over and over.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So like trying something different. And one of the things that you're bringing up for me is having a diversity of who you're mentored by. Hire a coach who's very different from you. So that you can get some fresh perspective. It doesn't always have to be the same sort of recycled strategy over and over and over. And, you know, listen, I'm about what's tried and true. Hey, like nothing wrong with that. But you do need to bring some fresh energy and creativity and find solutions that are really specific to you and your business and what works for you and what works for your audience. And I just think that diversity and inclusion and equity are goals that we should all be working towards. Literally, because we care enough, and also recognizing that we massively benefit when we do so.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think all of this, what happens here is not just a choice to make this a part of our business and what we want to do, but there's so many action steps. And I think a lot of that starts with the mindset we have not just around inclusivity and diversity, but just around what we're capable of and around what we're doing. And I see so much of what I'm seeing from you and the work you're putting out there is you're really pushing people beyond what they believe is their limit. And I think a lot of business owners, especially in our circle, had a hard enough time even fathoming the idea of six figures that when you started talking about Why the hell not? Like, Be a seven-figure business owner. People are like, whoa, I don't even know if this is something I want or I want to consider. And I've been really enjoying just what you're putting out there that's making people uncomfortable in all the right ways um, (laughs) to push them to grow. And so if that's something you know that you need to be working on as a business owner, where would you start? Because I think growing your mind is such a huge piece of this. Like where would you spend your time if that's your goal?
2: Yeah. Well, I would start by looking at the community that I spend time with and finding seven-figure entrepreneurs that I could be around, finding people who are working towards seven figures and big ambitious goals to be around on a daily basis, right? Like I've got my squad that I and I'm in group text with every single day. We're sending each other voice messages. We're sending videos to each other. We're talking through our drama, right? And mm-hmm. our challenges. And I think your community has a massive effect on what you believe is possible. And so mm-hmm. if you spend time with people who don't believe that big goals are possible, who don't challenge themselves in that way, and it doesn't necessarily even have to be a business goal, but you want to be around ambitious people, people mm-hmm. who are are striving for something bigger and greater. Because when you spend time with those people, you are going to be able to just by osmosis be Mm -hmm. stepping up to bigger and better goals, right? You're gonna get access to resources. Your network is going to grow, right? Like there's so much that happens, literally even if you're not intentional about it, if you do nothing else but just expand your community to people who are ambitious, that alone research shows is going to allow you to, for example, when college students do it, they get better grades. If they happen to be hanging out with people with good grades, they wind up getting better grades, right? If you happen to be hanging out with people who are highly successful and make a lot of money, you're going to wind up making a lot of money. (laughs) You know (laughs) what I mean? Like This is literally what happens. That's why I tell people it sounds obnoxious, but I'm like, just hang out with me and you'll make more money. Literally. (laughs) You just need to roll with me, period.
0: (laughs) I love it. I mean, why not? And it's so true. (laughs) I think about who I've spent time with over the years. And sometimes it has felt like exactly where I was supposed to be. And I was being influenced in the way that I wanted to be. And other times it was like, I tried to make myself smaller and the communities I was in were holding me back and were, I don't know, just not allowing me to be the full version of myself. I know I'm capable of, but it took so much self-awareness to even come to that conclusion. Because I think it's really easy to get comfortable in Mm -hmm. whatever circle you find yourself in. And I remember looking at Emily one day and being like, I think we just need no offense to anyone. You do whatever you want to do with your life and business. And if you're content, great. But I was like, I think we need a new circle. Like I think we yes. need to expand our reach and try to find new people and find new influences. And I was really struggling with where to look and not mm-hmm. that like, it's not there, but Where do I even start? So if someone's struggling with, okay, I'm ready to step out. I know I need to attract new people, find new new communities, let go of some people. What would you do in that situation?
2: Well, there's a couple of things. One thing I would do, one thing that I actually did was spend money. So I joined a mastermind. I went on retreats. I went to conferences. And I went into spaces where they were having the conversations that I wanted to be having. And intentionally put myself around ambitious women, you know, and ambitious people, and just really tried to be in those spaces where I could make friends. And then once I was in those spaces, it was sort of like this natural thing that happened where I connected with people who I really connect with. Because what I'm not saying is, go try to be best friends with someone that you don't have a natural connection with because they make a lot of money. No, that's never going to work, right? And we can all see through people who are trying to get close to us so they can use us in some way. It's really, Uh but I think if you put yourself in those spaces, you will naturally connect with other people that you Mm -hmm. have, things in common with that you will wind up being business besties with. And those folks can then be somebody that you talk to on a regular basis that you meet up with, that you get together on a regular basis to talk business. And I mean, that's literally how I expanded my circle is just, (laughs) I joined things. I think you have to become a joiner. And I know that that's really hard for a lot of people. It's scary to put yourself in a room full of strangers where you know nobody. but that's the hard work. The hard work is being willing to put yourself in that scary position. The hard work is swiping your credit card and paying to go to that Mm -hmm. now virtual conference so that you can be in the same spaces and connect with some folks, right? So like that's one of the things that I would do That's really practical. And I I mean, there's other things you can do with joining Facebook groups and Mm -hmm. Slack communities. And there's so many online communities now that you can sort of do the rounds and find those spaces that you really connect with and you find people. And when you get into those spaces, you have to contribute. You can't just be like a fly on the wall hiding because a lot of people do that too. Mm -hmm. So you really have to be willing to think about how can I contribute to this community? What do I have to offer? So for me, early in my Business, I was a lawyer. And so, what I would do is, I would literally go into the Facebook group and I would search law, trademark, contracts, incorporation. I would search keywords for legal kinds of issues. And then I would see someone asking about trademarks, someone asking about copyright, whatever. And I would answer those questions. And I became such an asset to a free Facebook group community that the community organizer would just tag me every time a legal question came up. Right, And you bet your ass it led to a lot of clients, but it also led to a lot of networking and connection where people got to know me and I got to know them because I was contributing to the community. Yeah. So think about contribution first, and then you'll get contributions as well. But you just got to be willing to put yourself out there.
1: Yeah. And I was going to tack on to that because it's similar to what I did to try to expand my circle. Because what I learned about myself is that I wanted, yes, to diversify my circle. I wanted to find people who had big, audacious goals like I did. And as I get older and a little bit more into business, I also wanted to find people who wanted to achieve those goals in a similar way to me, not necessarily Mm -hmm. with the same business model or the same product, but with the same like yeah, I don't want to work nights and weekends to achieve that goal. I don't want to skip dinner with my family. I don't want to sacrifice on all of life quality things in order to reach that goal. And I might not have had those parameters when I first started business, but now that I have a kid and we're just entering a different phase of life, that's really important to me. So what I did, similar to the Facebook group thing, so some of you guys might be able to pick up on this, is I would be in some Facebook groups. I don't do this anymore because I found a couple of people and that's kind of how I do it. I like I find my people and I lock it down for a couple of years and then I open it up again <laughs> a little bit later. But lock it down,
2: uh, I love it. Lock it down right
1: now. <laughs> so what I did was I was in a couple of Facebook groups that were really good and active and engaging. And I would look for the person who was contributing a lot and who was providing a lot of value. And I would see their name pop up over and over again. So maybe I wasn't the one contributing in that group, if it didn't make sense. This one particular group I was, but so I noticed this person's name and I was like, I feel like we could maybe get along. And that was three years ago. We chat on Voxer nearly every single day now. And our conversations, it's definitely friend first, but every friend conversation is then like, okay, we're about to hire this person. What do you think? And we're about to reach Mm -hmm. this goal or what would be your ideas over here? Let me pick your brain about this. And it just always... Always turns into that. And it's something I'm so, so happy to have. But I knew that she was a contributor. And so she was going to clearly bring amazing stuff to the table. And I wanted to be a part of her life. And so then I sought her out to build that relationship kind of on the back end. So, yeah, my, that's
2: another strategy. My <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> so, I was just going to go a little bit more into specifically seven figure mindset. I know that that's a little bit of what we were going to talk about today. And I know that that's not Abby kind of led this right where it's not maybe applicable to every single listener that we have today. But I also think there might be more than we think who secretly have that as a goal and haven't even gotten to the terms yet to admit to themselves, let alone out loud, that that's something that they want. And so outside of being around a circle of people who are also ambitious and amazing at business and strategy and helpful, what other kind of things did you need to work on either within yourself or within your business to be ready for achieving that new step?
2: Yeah, well, there's two things. (laughs) That is Mm -hmm. gonna seem kind of random. But the other two things I would recommend besides building a community is one, hire a personal assistant, even if you think you're not ready, even if you think you can't afford it. And I'll talk to you about why, but the main reason is, is because it turns you into a leader. And mm. then the second thing that I would say is make million dollar decisions and not broadcast decisions.
1: Okay. I <laughs> so- talk, but let's break those down, Hello, please. Personal I, assistant I got the chills
0: right oh there. Ooh. Okay. So On the personal assistant thing, I have some questions about this because (laughs) Emily and I have discussed this many times. And we have tons of contractors on our team that are very skilled at their specific tasks. But we've always struggled with what's the line of administrative versus personal assistant that actually helps you move your business forward. And so I'd love your yes. take on like what does that mean to you and how are they helping you in your day-to-day life?
2: Yes. Okay. So here's the thing that I want to make very clear. When you're a CEO and you are building an empire, taking things off of your plate personally builds your empire. So if you have someone who is cooking your meals for you or cleaning your house That is helping you grow your business. So there's really no difference. When you are the founder and CEO in the early days, and if you're making less than a million dollars, in my opinion, you're in the early days of building a business. Mm -hmm. And so when you are building that empire, you need a ton of support because you are doing so much output, right? Putting yourself out there, creating content, creating offers, selling yourself, hiring a team, delivering, building systems. There's so much Going on with building a business, and so much of it, you're emotionally tied to it, right? And it's a tremendous amount of output, which means that you need a tremendous amount of input. And I think people really miss this. And because they don't invest money, time, resources in the input, they actually prevent themselves from having the level of output that they'd want. So they think, well, you know, I just need to be more productive. I just need to get up at 5am and have a morning routine. And I'm like, no, you don't. What you need is a babysitter. What you Uh need is somebody to come cook your food. (laughs) Like what you need is somebody to come clean your house and take some of this crap off of your plate so that you can focus on your, there's only so much we can accomplish in a day. Stop trying to be perfect and have the perfect amount of productivity and output. And by the way, I do think that those are ideas And ideals that are rooted in white supremacy, right? That we have to work so hard and hustle, hustle, hustle and be perfect. Absolutely not. Actually, what we need, especially as women, is a chef. (laughs) That's what we need. Somebody come feed these kids because I'm busy. You know what I mean? Somebody help me out. Somebody take these kids to school in the morning. Somebody yes. help out with the laundry so that I can actually rest on the weekend so I don't have to work yes. 7 days a week. 5 days in my business and then 2 days in my household, which is what most women do. And yes. it's absurd. So that's why I'm a big fan of the personal assistant because they can do things like run errands, plan birthday parties, respond to emails. I don't know about y'all, but I get 50,000 emails related to my children's education every week. So much stuff. We guys? <laughs>
1: Why? Why? (laughs) Why Exactly.
2: I did a ton of research on this for my book, and it's alarming. Like, I was more alarmed. I knew all of this stuff, and it was even more alarming as I dug into the research because even women who are breadwinning in their household still do more domestic labor than their male partners, right? And there's all this invisible work that just kind of doesn't get noticed. Like you holding the space for like, oh, I got to call the doctor. We have to do, Uh it's time for my kids' regular appointment, right? Making the dental appointments, planning the birthday parties and the play dates. There's so much that even if the dishes are taken care of and the food and the cleaning, there's still a ton of invisible labor Yes. That falls on women. That doesn't go on anybody's calendar Uh or to-do list. It's just, exactly. It's just all in your brain and expected to magically happen. You know?
1: My mom and Nana were house cleaners growing my entire life. And my Nana still cleans. And she cleaned for a house that, I think it was like 16 or 17 when I first knew that they had this. And it completely blew my mind. But they both had full-time jobs. They were both attorneys. And they hired a house manager. And I was like, Mm -hmm. what now? And she organized all the bills, all the utilities, the kids' stuff, drop-offs, games, uniforms, literally anything. She would put on a crockpot meal. She would do groceries. And I was just like, you have a housekeeper and a house manager? What is happening right now? And it was the most amazing thing ever. And so I decided at the start of all of quarantine and COVID, I mean, I could not do anymore. I was absolutely at my wits' end. It obviously threw a wrench in a lot of us anxiety-wise, emotionally, yes. stuff plate, whatever. And my husband literally now is as close to my PA as I could ever get. I stopped taking my kid to school. I stopped picking her up. I stopped meal planning, assigned us up for HelloFresh. We do more Postmates now than I could ever imagine that we did, but we're both okay with it right now because we're not taking that on as a couple. We hired a house cleaner. I removed, he doesn't even know this yet. I deleted my daughter's school app from my phone. So the the only parents The only parent that gets a notification about her school is my husband. So deal with it. Deal with it. I don't know when the last time she went to the doctor because it's not my job anymore. And so it just, I I just let it go. And I I told listen, you just
2: liberated so many women out there right now by saying that.
1: I did it, I deleted it. <laughs> and it feels
0: really good. Does it really matter? Like someone no. will take care of it.
1: I mean He came <laughs> home last night and he was like, I think her school's asking for some money for pumpkins and a bag of candy because they're gonna do Halloween. I was like, Great, add it to the ship daughter. I didn't know.
2: I think it's great. I mean, we have a house manager slash chef. She started out as our chef and then just started taking on more. And she's a member of our family and we love her. And she gets profit sharing from my business because guess what? I wouldn't be making the money that I'm making if it wasn't for her. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I think having as much help as possible and learning to do that early and learning, yeah. because the thing is, and the reason why I'm such a fan of this, and so few of my clients listen to me on this, you guys. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they come back later when they finally do it, they're like, I'm an idiot that. and I should have listened to you two years ago. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Did you enjoy all of that unnecessary suffering? No, but with a personal assistant, I mean, you could literally hire someone for five hours a week, yeah. right? Depending on where you live, I would say $20 an hour, is the minimum that I would go and that's $100 a week, right? Yeah. Like most people, if you're an entrepreneur, you can figure out how to make $100 a week, an additional $100 a week to be able to pay a personal assistant and it will change your life. When you walk into your office and stuff is done and you didn't have to do it or touch it, It makes such a difference. And you're going to learn how to manage a team through that. You're going to learn how to delegate. You're going to learn how to lead. You're going to learn how to train. You're going to learn how to give a to do list. You're going to learn how to give feedback. That's what turns you into a leader. And that leadership skill set is so incredibly valuable to you as you grow your empire and in order to grow to seven figures. So the sooner that you can put yourself in a position where you are leading someone, the better. And so I say, like, if you can't do anything else, start with five hours a week with a personal assistant. The other thing I highly recommend on the domestic front is outsourcing laundry because it's such an inexpensive thing to outsource and it literally will give you eight hours of your week back. Who the hell wants to put loads in, walk up and down the steps, sort, fold, all of the things? That's time that you could spend literally doing nothing. I don't care if you flip channels on Netflix, as long as you feel rested right. so you can get back on Monday and slay, you know?
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Our housekeeper put away my laundry for the very first time this last weekend. She came on Sunday, and I had cleaned my clothes, and they were in the dryer. And I came home, and nothing was in the laundry room. And she was like, oh, I guess you found your clothes. I was like, I did. Now I'm going to add on money to your check every time you come. If you keep doing this, please. Yes,
2: exactly. (laughs) Yes, and I think people have such guilt. I think it's this Protestant work ethic that we've been taught. I also think it's this patriarchal idea that we are disadvantaging people if we hire people to work for us. And really? people are like, well, I would just feel bad making people clean or do laundry. And First of all, I'm not making anyone do anything. They're applying for the it, role. Though. Second of all, I don't feel bad about providing work, paid work, right.
0: yeah. especially
2: right. well-paid work yep. to people who need it, right? There was a yeah. time in my life where I just needed well-paid work of any kind, any <laughs> you kind. <know>? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that yeah, I would yeah. absolutely take and be grateful for. Yeah. And so why can't people recognize that? And the thing is too, is if you don't want to mistreat people, then don't mistreat people. Don't Treat mistreat them, them well.
1: Yeah, my mom was a housekeeper the entire time I was growing up and it literally never bothered me because she talked about all the time where she was like, I chose that as a job because of you. So I could pick you up from school so I could have flexibility. So if you were a little sick, you could come to work with me and it would be no problem. She didn't start work until nine and was over at three. She could take on as many clients as you want. She was paid in cash for most of her clients. So for a lot of people, it's a really ideal workforce if you are a kind employer. Yeah, right.
2: Exactly. Exactly. I don't think I have anyone working for me who doesn't feel like they work at a great place, that they're well compensated, Mm -hmm. that they're respected and even loved, right? It's become more like a family. So I think this idea that you look down on someone and treat them poorly, maybe that's what you see on TV, but that doesn't have to be how you do it. it. You know? That's your choice. (laughs) Exactly. I think that's one of the objections that comes up. And I think it's worth addressing and really thinking about doing it in a different way. How can you disrupt that idea and that model? The other thing I do with my team is I ask them, what are your hopes and dreams? What do you want? Where do you want to be in five years? How could I help you make your dreams happen as well? And you have so much power to do that as a small business owner. I've had team members leave and go start their own businesses and I support them and I'll help send them clients. You know, Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be this, I'm holding somebody back or I'm crapping on someone and making them do crappy Mm -hmm. work. No, I think this is worthy work and totally highly respected work. And what matters is how you're going about doing it and how you're Mm -hmm. treating your people.
0: Yeah. We're renovating a house right now. And we renovated the house we currently live in seven years ago. And the way I'm treating this project versus the way I treated it seven years ago is so dramatically different. And my first big thing was hiring people to help yeah. me do the massive amount of things that need to fall into place. And I had this conversation with someone the other night where they're like, well, I just don't understand why more people don't like DIY and do it yourself. And it's like, sometimes I think it's fun and it can be fulfilling and it can add value to your life. And Sometimes it's just literally eating up hours and hours of your Mm -hmm. days or Mm -hmm. weeks or whatever. To your point, I feel so good that the painting crew we just hired, several of them are full time college students and we're paying their tuition like that. We're helping them go to school and I feel. Fantastic about it. No regrets. And I will continue to hire out more help as we need it.
2: That's the thing is we have the power to create our own micro economies, right? Yeah. Where my business, which is now a multi-million dollar business, is supporting so many different people who have families, who have responsibilities. And that's really affirming and yeah. powerful and magical, right? Like that's a reason to continue. Even yes, if I was yes. like, okay, well, I'm tired or burnt out or whatever. I would keep this business going because it's just yeah. supporting so many people. Absolutely. You know?
1: Yeah. What was the second point that we brought up when we we're talking about PA? Yeah. I was just
0: going to ask. Like you had such a brilliant second point for reaching. Okay. So my second
2: point was make million dollar decisions instead yes. of broke ass decisions.
1: Yes. Okay. Let's talk about that. So a
2: million-dollar decision is one where you are making a decision that's rooted in abundance versus Mm -hmm. rooted in brokenness, right? I think that's the simplest way to put it. So for example, should I hire out my laundry? Should I hire a personal assistant? Should I hire somebody to help me with preparing meals? The broke-ass mindset would be like, no, you need to save your money. You could do it yourself. But the million-dollar mindset is... Oh, if I outsource that, then I'll be freed up to go do bigger and better things, right? To go accomplish even more, to have more time. And you look at it from a perspective of abundance rather than what's being taken away, right? Mm -hmm. And you're choosing increasing your resources rather than not. And I think what causes us to make a lot of broke-ass decisions is, first of all, society, and the messages that were sent, especially as women were constantly sent messages that were bad with money, that were shopaholics, put down the latte, sister. And it's like, first of all, does that really actually make a difference to your bottom line? you didn't
1: buy avocado toast, you could buy so many things.
2: (laughs) I want to commit murder if I see another mention of a latte or avocado toast. I just want to throw something. I promise you, right? This is a perfect example, right? You could spend your time cutting coupons and calling the telephone company and finding ways to cut your costs as much as possible, right? And maybe you'd save $79. Or you could spend that exact same amount of time researching side hustles and finding a way to bring in some extra cash and make $700, right? And that is the difference between a broadcast decision and a million-dollar decision actually creates abundance Yes. Versus keeping yourself small and restricted and yeah. in a box and limited. You know, yeah. I can't, I don't have, right? It's being afraid to risk any resources and invest in yourself and bet on yourself. That's really broke-ass decisions versus million-dollar decisions that are going to pave the way to your seven-figure business.
1: I love that. My husband and Abby both helped work through one of those decision makers where I was wanting to make the broke-ass decision. And both of them were like, no, stop it. So taxes, (laughs) right? Paying taxes is so annoying. Well, so we're at the moment where I was like, okay, this might be a dumb question because I don't math. I don't add anything. I don't know. I'm not an accountant. (laughs) That is not my job. But I was just like, okay, is there a point where it makes sense, where we need to look at, because I have a side business from Boss Project, and so does Abby, and we have so many different things going on within our family, but I was like, is there a moment where we need to really be mindful of how much we're making, if it puts us in a different tax bracket, and then we need to change, or like, should we just wait until we make all of this extra money before we like really focus on getting into that new tax bracket? And both of them were like, no, just keep worrying about making more money. That's all you have yes. to do. You don't have to worry about saving the money. You don't have to be worry about penalized for making more money. Just keep making more money. I was like, oh, that feels better.
2: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. People will literally turn down making more money because they don't want to pay taxes. And I'm like,
1: um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Just before. laughs> I don't think that
2: that makes a whole lot of sense. No. Stay focused on your revenue goals. You can certainly preserve part of what you're making to save sure. for taxes. And for sure, you can have an accountant to help you with tax strategies and all of that. Yes. But at the end of the day, let's keep our eye focused on mm-hmm. where we want to go rather than yeah. what we're afraid of. Yes. And I think that's really the difference. It's like, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to go broke. so, Or I'm afraid of what my friends are going to say if I hire a personal assistant. I'm afraid of any number of things. I'm afraid that I'm not as good as I think I am, right? We all Mm -hmm. have those beliefs. And so we make decisions based on those fears instead of making decisions based on where we want to go. Not to get so much into politics, but it's kind of like what I've told people about this election. I'm like, stop talking about a candidate you don't want to win. Start talking about who you want to win. Let's focus on them.
1: You know, on what we actually want to happen. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) I'm like, we need to
0: manifest this, y'all. We need to collectively (laughs) manifest it. it's the same concept as when you're learning how to drive and they're like focus on the road not focus on the tree that you might hit on the side like like, you guys focus on the road where do you want to go where do you want to be quit worrying about all the what ifs and do you need to address something maybe but wait until it happens and instead of worrying about what could happen. And I will say, just as an aside on taxes, I think the majority of the reason most people worry about them is because they don't understand them. And hundred It's one of those things that you can, again, hire someone who does, who can ease some of your fears around it and let you just focus on what you're best at, which is probably what you started your business doing in the first place.
2: Exactly. Can I add one more thing about Million Dollar Mindset too? Yes. I think that... A lot of times we'll say, well, I need help, but I can't afford to hire anyone, right? And we think that that's the end of the conversation. Mm -hmm. I can't afford to hire anyone, so the end can't do it, right? right. Versus saying, I want to hire someone and I don't have the money. Let me come up with some creative solutions. Let me write down and just brainstorm, spend 20 minutes brainstorming. What are 20 ideas to make that happen? Could I trade with somebody? Could I hire an intern? Could I launch that old thing that I created before, make a little money and use that money? Could I ask my grandma if I could get a loan? Yep. Some of these ideas may not be good and you may You've not done execute all of those things. I've done all of those things. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right? This is how I want people to approach it because I feel like so many people come to me as a business coach and they're like, "Well, I tried everything and nothing's working." And I'm like, "No, first of all, you haven't tried everything. First you haven't well. even tried 10 things. Let's be honest." <laughs> This is just the drama of it all, that language, Uh but also get creative, find a solution. And when you're open-minded and when you're focused on abundance, it's amazing the solutions that just manifest themselves and come up for you. Whereas if you're like, no, I can't, it's not possible because all of my well-reasoned list of things, yes, cool. That's true for you. And you're going to keep yourself limited or you could be open and decide like, hey, I'm going to focus on the possibilities of it all.
1: Yep. Abby sold Plasma in her first year of business to make <laughs> Listen, <MC>. that's hardcore. <laughs> I was hanging up removable wallpaper in my aunt's bathroom for cash under the table. So you yeah, do what yes. you got to do.
2: <laughs> you do what you got to do. You'll you know? just make
1: and, it work, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And
2: that's why, and for those new entrepreneurs who are listening, just know that all of us seasoned entrepreneurs, we don't feel sorry for you. We send you so much love but we have yep. literally no sympathy yep. <laughs> because We've already this done is it. the journey. Exactly. Yep. Like why do you it. think you're exempt from doing some of these hard things? This is That's what hard. builds character. These stories are going to be your most well-shared blog post in the yep. future, right? Yep. These create the foundation. So stay in the miracle and enjoy the craziness of it all. Enjoy mm-hmm, the opportunity. Yes. Enjoy the possibility, you know,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. instead
2: of feeling sorry for
0: yourself. No need to feel sorry. Just <laughs> do the shit. Which I think makes sense to transition into talk strategy to me. And yes. honestly, this was so strategic of a podcast. I thought it would... Even though it was all mindset and little nuance changes, I think so much of it is tangible. I'd love for you to reflect a bit though on where we started. And if you were wanting... Or you should be. So this is not... You <laughs> are going to be. There's no excuses around this. If you... <laughs> are focused on creating an inclusive business, one where you're both hiring and creating community around all of this, what are some tangible takeaways that people can focus on implementing right away?
2: Yeah. Well, for diversity, equity, and inclusion, I think the number one thing I would recommend that people do is literally name white supremacy and the impact of racism on our personal and professional lives. So... Acknowledge its existence, talk about how it operates even within your own company or organization, name it in your company values, discuss it with your team, right? Discuss it with your clients and your greater community. So I think just acknowledging the existence of white supremacy, that alone is such a big signal. It is you being vulnerable and honest with your community about what they already know and see anyway, right? And so what you're telling them is listen, I know and see it too. Right, and that matters so much, so that's one of the first things that I would do is I would acknowledge how it exists in your company, in your greater industry, in your community, how you've seen it play out, maybe mistakes that you've made that you regret and now you are acknowledging. Let's normalize making a mistake and then changing it, okay? Please. Like why do we have to be perfect all the time? Just
1: right. say you fucked up right? yes. Yes. <laughs> we're talking about growth and mindset. That means we're going to grow from something. Yes, exactly. It's
2: amazing. When people get called out, the biggest disadvantage that they have, they create themselves because they get defensive instead of saying, you know what, you're right. I'm and that up. stings and it hurts and it sucks. I'm gonna do better. You know what yeah. I mean? It's really not that hard. We all make mistakes. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I would do. I would also engage in and invest in anti-racist education for yourself and your team, right? Commit time and money and resources. Because these things are not gonna go away with just thinking positive thoughts. Like I wish that was the case, but no. I so like this to
1: go away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh,
2: invest oh. in courses and books and participate in a book study, hire a DEI consultant, learn, have group discussions, have town halls within your company, learn about it and allow for open discussion. And another tip If you allow for open discussion, make sure that you commit to open conflict and allowing discomfort. Because when we stop centering whiteness, it can feel like we're attacking white people. And that's not necessarily what is happening. And you're going to have conflicts, right? When you have a diverse community, people are going to disagree. And we, I think as leaders of communities, sometimes feel like we need to swoop in and clean it all up and make it nice, right? Which is... Delete those comments. (laughs) What'd you say? Delete comments? Delete those comments. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And that's the opposite. Because what happens is right, marginalized people wind up getting silenced when that happens. And so I think you have to be open to allowing for open conflict, allowing people to express themselves, even if it hurts a little bit. It's not about demonizing a community member, but... Addressing and dealing with an underlying issue, addressing and dealing with their lived experience as a person of color or as a person who's a member of a marginalized community, right? So I think just committing to open conflict is absolutely radical and revolutionary, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially Mm -hmm. in our small business world. Yes. So that would be my third tip. Fourth, I would recommend always putting your money where your mouth is. So investing at least a portion of your budget. I like 30% in Black team members, Black software owners, right? In the various things that you need to spend, how can you invest in more Black vendors, right? We have resources as small business owners. We spend a lot of money. We buy a lot of stuff. So how can we spend our money with people in the Black community and people of color as well? Really looking at this is how we can create change by actually changing the lives and benefiting the lives of black and brown people. And one of the ways that you can definitely do that is by putting money in their pocket, right? (laughs) And we have to spend so much money every month. Start investing in that, start shopping around for the various things that you purchase for your business and see, is there a black or brown vendor that you could invest in instead? Yeah. I love that. And then lastly, I would put together a statement, right? There's a reason why it's last. First, you wanna name white supremacy. You wanna educate yourself about it. You wanna allow open conflict and community within your world. You wanna invest in recruiting people who are Black, recruiting Black vendors, making the community around your business more diverse. And then I would put together a statement and make sure that it's clear to people when they come to your website that you are committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and working towards those ideals. We understand that nobody is going to have it tomorrow. We're all working towards it. Black people are working towards it in the companies that they run, right? Well, it's not a new work
1: that is done. So this is never a done checkmark thing. Exactly. Exactly.
2: It's a work in progress, right? And so be committed to that work in progress. Create clear goals, clear, realistic goals that you're going to work towards and make it known to your community and to your employees because what's going to happen is they're going to hold you accountable, right? And that's part of the reason why you're going to, you're not naming it so that people can pat you on your back. You're naming it so that you can be held accountable to doing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I have so many ideas for us too, to discuss after this. Oh, so that was 100%. So and I'm so ready to hire a PA, I'm not just my husband. So you guys be on the lookout for that. <laughs> Rachel, thank you so much for this. If you have any places you want to direct our listeners to go hang out with you online, definitely let them know where they can do that.
2: Yes. Well, here's exciting news. So I have a book yeah. coming out. It's called We Should All Be Millionaires. It's available for pre-order wherever books are sold. If you go to hello book And get all the details on that.
1: Awesome. We'll make sure we have those links in the show notes as well. So you guys can click over there when you have a chance. Rachel, thank you so much for being here. This was so fun. I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join The Co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics